happening. And this morning, we're going to continue digging into that as we look at the beginning of the church. Um, over the years, uh, back while I was in college, um, there were many memorable moments that I had while I was in class. Um, there was memorable lessons that were taught to me, uh, many books that I read, just as many that I didn't read. Um, but there was a lot that went into becoming a preacher, minister, pastor. And I've had people ask me over the years, Travis, how did you become preacher, pastor, minister? How, how'd you become that? It was easy. My, my answer is very easy. I love to talk. <laughs> and honestly, that's how it got started. Because um, we went every year to uh, something called Ohio Teens for Christ. And every year we would go, and it was for high schoolers, and, and I, I remember we went on the trip, um, and going on the trip, I was like, uh, we would go around to all of the different events, and then one of the things that they were really working on um, was really trying to get more people to move into the ministry. That's what really what Ohio Teens for Christ was all about. And so they had different um, things for the youth to do. Um, they had public speaking for the women. They had um, the preaching competition for the, the boys. They had um, bands that you could sing in and, you know, that kind of thing. You could... Um, I, artistry. There was all kinds of different things that the people could do, the, the young people could do to really get them invested in this. And I remember going in um, and watching one of the preacher boy competitions. And I'm sitting there and I looked at my youth minister and I said, I could do that. And he went, all right. And I went, okay. Well, he came to me the next year and he was like, Travis, were you serious about wanting to do the preacher boy competition? And I said, Sure. I mean, it can't be that hard. I, I did, I was a part of FFA, uh, Future Farmers of America for city people, um, and, and I was a part of the VOAG, and, and that was just what I did. And I was part of the parliamentary procedure, and we had to go through all of the Roberts Rules of Orders, and we had to know how to conduct a meeting. Don't do it now. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we went through all of that, understanding how all of that worked, and then we also had the public speaking and the extemporaneous speaking. And so I did pretty well at that. So when he said, hey, um, do you want to do this? I went, sure, it can't be that hard, right? So with his help, I put together my message, and the uh, first sermon I preached was seven minutes. You don't get that lucky anymore. Um, and it had to be between eight and ten for the competition. So he worked with me um, to slow down, to get myself in place, and I went into the competition, and uh, I, I, I won. I actually found, I still have the manuscript it was called Backstage Pass, was the theme for the weekend. I still have the manuscript for the first sermon I ever preached. Wow, did it not preach. Um, but I did, and I won, and I received a scholarship. Well, I received a scholarship, and my youth guy, he says, Craig comes up to him, and he goes, okay, so I guess we need to get you signed up for college. And I went, okay. Like, I had no, up to that point, me and college were like two totally distant things. I had received a scholarship to go to Kansas State for, for bowling, but I was like, nah, I don't know if I really want to do that. And then he comes to me and says, hey, we need to get you enrolled in school. And I went, all right, I guess I should really try to figure out what exactly this means. So I went through that whole process, and then I went to my grandparents, and, and this is where my grandparents are just, they, they have been awesome, they have supported me throughout all of this, but... Uh, 
I went to him, my, my youth minister came to me and he said, hey, there's another preaching competition in Dallas, Texas this year. And I said, all right, he says, you should do it. You'll receive two full years of college for free if you win. Okay. I went to my grandparents and I said, hey, um, we need to go to Dallas, Texas because I need to do this preaching competition. Now, I don't know whether they had already talked to Craig or not. I, I don't know. But when I went to them and I said, I need to do this, they said, okay. There was never a question. There was never, oh, I don't know if we should do this or not. Dallas is too far away. They said, okay. And we jumped in the truck and we went. And it was amazing. I won again. Um, I was blessed uh, to be able to do that. Um, and uh, yes, I had a bowling scholarship. Um, <laughs> I'm still pretty good. Um, so, sorry. A um, little pride there. No, anyways, um, so I decided that uh, I was, you know, that, that, that's how I got into this. Went to college and really had some memorable things. And, and I remember the first sermon that I preached while in college. Um, you've heard of this show called South Park? I had an awesome illustration. He passed me, but said you shouldn't use an illustration from that type of thing again. But it was so good. Well, but you shouldn't tell your audience that that's what they should be watching and listening to. Okay, that's fine. And I'm sure over the years I've had other illustrations that I shouldn't use. And I remember another quote that was from another professor. He said, never apologize for giving an illustration. Because if the illustration is lame, either uh, don't use it or act like it's really good. As soon as you apologize for it, you're telling the listeners they don't have to listen to you. And over the years, I've had some short sermons, I've had some long sermons, I've had some bad sermons, some short, long, bad sermons. Um, I've kind of had all of those. And as I was thinking about that, really getting into the start of the church, I thought about two messages that really just catch me. Um, I, I listen to a lot of sermons. And uh, when, I, when I thought about two of my most favorite sermons, greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Second sermon, most effective sermon, Peter, Acts chapter 2. Why? Because we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it tells us, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now that's 3,000 men's souls. Meaning with children and with women, it could have doubled if not more than that. The greatest, most effective sermon ever preached, Acts chapter 2. And so that's what we're going to get into. We're going to see the beginning of the church really getting going. Last week we learned that the Holy Spirit gives us power to accomplish his plans. And today we're going to see Peter preaching. And as he preached, he was persuasive and he was practical in his gospel conversation. And that was exactly what we can take out of the message as well. So one of the best things that I was taught, um, you know, three points uh, and, and you're done. Um, I'm not going to use those today. Um, I never use three points and I'm done. Uh, maybe that's why I'm so long. Uh, but we're going to look at another very effective way. Hook, book, look, and took. We probably all heard that at some different point, but I believe that this was part. I don't think Peter didn't, you know, lay this out and say, okay, hook, book, look, and took. I don't think that's what he did, but at the same time, we can take those from this very message. And the first part of that is we unpack this message is the hook that he gives. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2, 
starting in verse 14. This is what we read. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Now, we're going to get to that last part here in a second, okay? But if we go back, so as, as we looked at last week, the rushing in of the Holy Spirit, he, he comes in, and it was a sound like uh, it, a rushing wind. It was a big boom. And, and then we have the, the, the tongues descending upon them, as, as tongues descending upon them in fire. And, and so there's all of this that happens to the 12. Now, at some point, they get up and they actually leave and they go probably, they were probably staying right there close to the temple. Now they've went to that temple area to hear all of this. And as we break this down, I think as, as Peter grabs their attention, there are four things that he did. The first one is that he stood to teach. Now that's very important in this moment because most of the time teachers would sit down with their group and they would all sit down. I know I'm sitting, but it's okay. Um, but they would sit down to teach. But here, Peter, he's going to stand up and it would have really grabbed their attention. It was a new style uh, of preaching that Peter was really bringing about. The second word that really breaks down here for me is shoulder. He stood with the 11. That's important so vitally important that we stand side by side, shoulder by shoulder, when we are taking the gospel message out that would, listen, the last thing that this world needs is to see a church divided. We must stand together. We have to. If we want to see the gospel doing amazing things, we need to be standing side by side, shoulder by shoulder, and then speak Peter was not timid, but rather, what did he do? He lifted up his voice. Now, again, this is so awesome for us to be able to see because there were, one, no microphones. So he really had to lift up his voice for at least 3,000 people to hear. Okay, so he, he has to lift up his voice. He has to let everyone hear it. And what I love about this as well is where was Peter 53 days earlier? Denying Jesus and hiding, fearing for his life. And now where's Peter? Standing up in the middle of Jerusalem, preaching this gospel message. What did this tell us? Two things needed to happen for Peter to be in this position. Two vital things had to happen. Number one, Jesus restored him. Jesus restored him. And then number two, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is what we have to fully understand. We have to be restored. And we're going to talk about this at the very end of the message. But we need, if we want to make a true effect and we want to make a, be a witness, we have to be restored in Christ. We need to be created anew. We need to receive the gift of Christ. And then we have to receive the Holy Spirit. And then Peter addresses them by name, right? And he challenges them. And he lifted up his voice to give ear to my words. That's what he says. You see, the responsibility for a good sermon, it doesn't just lie with me. It's with all of you as well. Because as great of a sermon as it is, um, if you don't hear it or listen to it, it doesn't do any good and it's not effective. It's why Jesus said many, many times, he who has an ear, let him hear. That's right. 
Let them hear. Because here's the thing. We, we all have two ears, right? I think everybody does. Yeah. We all have two ears. But if we're not listening, if we're not hearing the word, we can't do anything about it. So we have to be a part of that. And then the final thing that he does here, he smiles. I, I th- again, I, I, th- this isn't in the scripture, but I, I think Peter just smirked and went, oh, you people. They must be drunk with wine, right? And, and what does he point out for him? He, he says, are, are you kidding me? It, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Okay, it, it's still early for the drunkenness to truly be taking effect at this moment. And I think he was smiling when he said that. Really? You think we're drunk? No, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and you need to hear these words. So brothers and sisters, friends, family, we need to stand up. We need to be standing shoulder to shoulder. We need to speak out, and we need to smile as we face a world that is continuing to put down our biblical values maligning us as Christians, Christians and persecuting the church. We must be one in all of this. Number two, book. After grabbing their attention, Peter wants them to truly grasp what is in the scriptures. And this is, Peter does an amazing job of this, and he just doesn't give them something all brand new. He's going to tie it all back to the Old Testament You know what that tells me? We can't just be a New Testament church and forget about what is in the past. We can't forget about what was written in the Old Testament. No, that is our history, and we need to make sure that we know it. And Peter is going to refer back to it many times in this very scripture. And what he does is he's going to to really involve the exegesis, the explanation of the message of scripture. And that's what he's going to do here. We don't ever want to just read into the Bible either. Jeremiah 23, 29 reminds us the Bible is powerful. This is what we read. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Use it for its words. Use it as it's meant to be. You see, Peter's preaching is saturated with Scripture as he quotes from prophets like uh, Joel, two different psalms written by David. Not surprisingly, the book section of this sermon is the longest. It covers actually 19 verses. And and notice how quickly Peter interrupts, uh, interprets the the three signs of Pentecost, the wind, fire, and tongues, as a direct fulfillment. Look at verse 16, what was uttered through the prophet Joel. You see, Peter could have selected from hundreds of scriptures Yet he goes to Joel here. Why? Because Joel actually talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 17. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Biblically speaking, when are the last days? Right now. The moment that Jesus resurrected, we've been living in the last days. What that tells me is we better be ready. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Paul, they all believed they were living in the last days, and at any moment, they expected Jesus to return during their life. Do we live like that? We better. We we, we need to be prepared. So we need to be ready for that. And I love how God will pour out, he says, my spirit on all flesh. Again, what does this tell us? One, it tells us this isn't a trickle effect. This doesn't just, oh, here it comes a little bit. 
It, how many of you have that leaky faucet in your house that the wife's been on you to fix for about, oh, I don't know, seven months? Yeah. Drip. Longer. <laughs> drip. 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 No, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. The word here that is coming out, it, it, is, it is gushing to overflow. The Holy Spirit gushes and overflows upon us. We read this in, in Psalm 23, verse 5. My cup overflows. It's not going to just get to the brim. I did that this morning. I got up this morning, didn't want to make coffee, so I turned on the Keurig. I set it for the highest level, turned it on. That wasn't enough, so I set it on the lowest level, and it was literally at the very top, ready to fall over. And so there was this long stream from the Keurig. We, I don't know why we moved it away from the sink, but now it's all the way from the sink, and there's a whole line that was just flowing over as I got to the sink to have to pour out just a little bit. That's exactly what it's like to have the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. Um, I'm going to hold on to this cup because I don't want to spill any. Here's what we have to know. Here's what we have to learn. If you spill a little bit, and then you spill a little bit over here, guess what he's going to do? He's going to fill it right back up again. And that's what we have to hold on to. That's what we have to remember. You see, God is not stingy with his Holy Spirit. This is what we read, Romans chapter 5, verse 5. God loves God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit is always going to be there. You see, the gift of the Spirit will gush out, again, where? On all flesh. On all of us. It's not just for you and maybe for you, but definitely not you because you don't deserve it. No, no, no. It's for everyone. For all who received His Word also were given the Holy Spirit. Again, we're going to get to that uh, here later. Let's keep reading. Look at verses 17 through 18. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on male servants and female servants in those days. I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. The word prophesy, it literally means to speak God's word. That, that's what that means. It's not talking future events. Sometimes it can, but it's talking about just telling forth God's word. You see, the pouring out of God's spirit will result in the telling forth. And all of us are a, a, a part of that. God's truth has been poured up, out upon all of you, and now it's up to you to then take that message out to everyone. And that's what I love about this, that there are several different groups that are mentioned right here. It's to all generations. The young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. You see, we need the fire of the young and the faith of the old. We must be a church that comes together in all of these, and that's so vitally important. All generations, also all genders. This includes sons and daughters, male and female. I'm reminded of Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's for everyone. It's also for all classes as well. He lays it out here and he says, it's not just for the high and mighty, it's also for the servants, and he lays that out. You, can, you see, because he went to the book, Peter can confident, confidently quote from Joel uh, in, in verse 21, and that shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then Peter just gets into the scriptures, and he gives us six different key doctrines 
that relate to Christ. Number one, the incarnation. The coming in the flesh of Jesus. That's what that means. We talk about the incarnation at Christmas every year. Okay, Jesus coming in the form of a baby. And then growing up in the flesh. That's what incarnation means. Look at verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as yourselves know. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth. He traveled throughout all of the land teaching and performing miracles in their midst. Performing wonders, acts that aroused astonishment and all. He was in earthly form. That's what we need to understand. Number two is the crucifixion. We see how the the mystery of God's plan and human responsibility work together here in verse 23. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. What's he say here? You. He's going to say that several times here. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. See, the crucifixion of Christ was not an accident. It was a part of God's plan to bring salvation for all of us. Having said that, Peter looks at them and he says, Hey, you Jews, you crucified him. And Gentiles, your your hands of, of lawless men, you're culpable in the killing of Jesus. This is stated again in Acts 4.10, whom you crucified. Now we're really going to get into it though, and this is the this is the biggest part of all of it resurrection. After spending one verse each on Jesus' life and and death, Peter preaches nine verses on the resurrection. You see, the crucifixion was part of God's plan, and verse 24 tells us that the resurrection was also his work. This is what we read. God raised him up, loosing the, the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Drop down to verse 32, This Jesus, God raised up. You see, the resurrection of Christ is boldly proclaimed throughout the entire book of Acts. Here's just one example, Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Peter goes back to uh, the book in verses 25 through 28 by declaring what David said about the resurrection in Psalm 16. And then we look at verse 27, it says, For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. Now David wasn't talking about himself, right? Because David was buried. His bones are still in the ground. Obviously David was talking about the future resurrection of one of his descendants who is Jesus. You see, everyone knew that David was in a tomb. And then we look at verse 31. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. That he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Meaning he didn't stay in the grave very long. Meaning he wasn't in there long enough. As as, um, the sisters tell Jesus about Lazarus, Lord, he stinketh. That's King James. Lord, he stinketh. You don't want to open that door. Okay, Jesus didn't have that corruption. And then we come to the ascension. The ascension. 
continuing to contrast David with Jesus, Peter declares in verse 34, for David did not ascend into the heavens. David was an awesome man. David was a man after God's own heart. David did a lot of awesome things. However, he's still in the grave. He did not ascend to the right hand of the Father. Jesus did that. The apostles had just witnessed Jesus ascend into the glory cloud a few days earlier. And then we have exaltation. Exaltation. Jesus is now in a place of honor and authority, according to verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. We see the glorious work of the Trinity right here in this verse. The seeing, that's the tongues of fire. The hearing, the mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit coming in and the foreign languages that were spoken. Peter goes back to the book again, this time quoting David's words in Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus predicted his exaltation. We go to Luke chapter 22, verse 69. This is what Jesus says. He says, but from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Jesus was telling what was going to happen. Here, Peter is telling what has happened. And then finally, in this section of doctrines, we have the consummation. In verses 19 through 20, David quotes from Joel to describe the signs that will appear before Jesus returns. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned to darkness and moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. The, the book of Joel is all about judgment. It actually begins with a plague of locusts coming in, followed by a series of cataclysmic events. The wrath of God is coming. That's what Peter wants to get across. The wrath of God is coming. Do, do you believe that? Are you awake? I'm just making sure, because I want to make sure that we all get this and understand that. The wrath of God is coming, and we need to be prepared. We must be prepared. But great. What, what, what's great about all that is if we've received him, whether we're here or not, when all of this comes, whether, we're, whether we, we get taken up beforehand or whether we're here during this time, either way, a lot of people want to fight about this, right? Oh, oh, I'm going to be raptured. Well, I'm not going to, I don't believe in the rapture. Well, I don't want to be here when all of this pain comes. Or I, It doesn't matter whether we're here or not. Because whether we're here or not, we still get to be with the Lord. We may go through some pain. Here's the thing. There's a lot of Christians right now in third world countries. We think we have persecution here. It's hard on us. Sometimes. But there are Christians that are being persecuted on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, that are being put to death for their faith. They're, they're longing for the time that the Lord returns. But they're staying faithful. And that's what we have been called to do as well. So after starting with a hook, Peter goes quickly to the book. This causes the listeners to look at their own lives. And that's really what happens here. And, and we have the look in, in verse 36. 
we see a summary of the sermon delivered with conviction. This is what Peter says. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom, again, you crucified. This sermon from start to finish is about who? Jesus. That's right. Notice that this is addressed to all of them. It's for all people. The Gentiles, again, they don't get an out. Well, we didn't know. Well, we didn't. Romans, Paul talks about that. Romans 1 and 2, he lays it all out. And here, Peter says, it's upon all of you. This refers to not slipping or tripping and speaks of indisputable evidence. He is both Lord and Christ because he is sovereign and our sacrifice. You see, preaching must become as seen when Peter delivers a, a stinging indictment. Again, he says, whom you crucified. It's not enough just to gather information. We must, listen, we must experience transformation. Look at verse 37. So he sums it all up here, and now he just digs in. Verse 37 says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. It's now sunk in. I think this is also exactly what Peter went through when he had denied Jesus all three times and he looks up and he sees Jesus. Peter was cut to the heart. And eventually he's going to be reinstated. And here, the people were cut to the heart. It means that they were pierced through, stung sharply, deeply moved. You see, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction we read this, John chapter 16, verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. We have to be convicted. We can't just gather all the evidence and go, yep, I see it all, I know it all, I've read it all. Okay, that's it. No, now I have to be convicted of what I've just read and seen and heard. We have to be very careful about just presenting Jesus as an app to add to our lives. There's a lot of those. There's a lot of apps in our lives and a lot of things that make life just more convenient and easy. You see, Jesus didn't come to make us happy, healthy, and wealthy. If you hear that being preached, run. Run. Okay? That's not what Jesus was all about. It's not what Peter was all about. Now, does he want us to have joy? Yes, he wants us to have joy, but there's a difference between being happy and being joyful. Two totally different things. I'm not happy when I'm persecuted. I'm not happy when I'm going through trials. I'm not happy when I'm in pain. Some people like that, not me. I don't like pain. I'm not happy. But when I'm going through it for the Lord, I can be joyful. Because it means I'm growing. And it means I'm growing closer to him. And that is the important thing to all of this. Until we are con convicted by our depravity, we won't be able to see our need to be delivered. We need to see our need to be delivered. Now, he brings it all together here with the final one. What's the takeaway? Look at verse 37. Now they were cut to the heart. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Brothers, they asked Peter, what shall we do? 
action step. It's now time to take action. What shall we do? You see, preaching must always be persuasive, practical, and personal. He now brings it right to them. That's why he points to them and he says, you're the ones that killed Jesus. You mean not the per- it was his fault? No, it was the person sitting in front of me's fault. Well, it was the person behind me. They're the ones that hit me. No, it, it's, somebody, it's always somebody else's fault, right? No, 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 no. Here Peter says, hey, it's everyone's fault. And that's what we need to really understand here as well. Now that the people are convicted, they're compelled to make a commitment. I'm reminded um, the, Philipp, uh, the Philippian jailer, what's he do? He falls on his knees before Peter and Silas, or Paul and Silas, sorry, Paul and Silas. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? There are four urgent imperatives here for all of us that we really, we have to do these. And we can't listen, we can't leave out a step. So important for us to understand these imperatives in our lives. Number one, what does he lay out? He says, it's time to repent. Look at verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The word repent literally means to turn and do it now. Do a 180. You're heading down a path, and you need to turn and go the other way. That is what we have been called to do. We're called to turn from self-centered sinfulness and turn to the Savior. Don't minimize the importance of repentance. You need to turn. You need to turn from the direction that you're heading. If it is not going in the direction of Christ, you need to turn and go the other way. Jesus says there are two ways. The wide gate, the narrow gate. The wide road, the narrow road. we need to make sure that we're on the right path. If we're sitting in traffic, it means we're probably going in the right direction or we're on 95. Narrow is the way because there's not really going to be that many people on it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Repent, turn is what it means. Number two, we need to receive. We see this in verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive. In verse 41, we also read those who received his word. The word receive just simply means to embrace heartily, that I'm going to hold on to it, that I'm going to accept it into my life. John 1, 12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We get to become children of God when we receive him. We repent and we receive. There are two results that take place when we repent and receive. We find both of those in verse 38. You will receive forgiveness of sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. He continues on. Look at verse 38. What what, what else does he say? To be baptized. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of Jesus Christ. And then in the second part of verse 41, it says, those who received his word were baptized. 
Now, at Stafford County Christian Church, we believe that the correct form, the mode of baptism, is immersion. What does that mean? It means to dip, to plunge, to completely submerge, and to hold underwater until you see bubbles. Got to let all the sin get out. Um, sorry. We need to make sure that we are following what is written for us to do. And this, again, it's a very vital part. You can't leave any one of these steps out. Please understand that. Ask for forgiveness. Uh, repent. Receive. Be baptized. Allow that to be a part of your life. And then finally, and, and this is the biggest one that people go, okay, I, I've, I, I've asked for forgiveness. I've repented. I've received. I've been baptized. That's all I got to do. Uh-uh. Now it's time to live. Now it's time to get involved. Now it's time to do his work. Be faithful. That's the word I want you to see. Be faithful. Look at verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. The word crooked here means perverse, warped, and bent. I go back to Philippians chapter 2, verses 15 through 16, and it calls us to, to live on mission amid the messes of our culture. It was happening back then. It's not something new. It's happening today as well. We read here in Philippians chapter 2 that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. So we've seen how Peter used the hook, book, look, and took to greatly affect, to great effect in verse 41. What happens? And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, we continue to read. So they're continuing to preach. They're continue, continuing to take the message. And the Lord added to their number, what? daily, those that were being saved. I can't think of a more exciting thing than to see people saved for the Lord. Are we doing our part? Are we sharing the gospel message? Are we truly sharing the message with those who need to hear it today? Are you ready to repent? Are you ready to receive? Are you ready to be baptized? Are you ready to, to live for Him? Are you ready to be faithful? We're going to end our service today, as we always do, by taking communion. And as we take communion, um, we're, it's in the back, it's on the sides, it's up front. And as we take communion, I, I really just want you to reflect upon everything that, that you've gone through in your life, where you're at right now. And if there is a decision that you need to make, that, that you will make that today. I want to read a scripture for you, and as I read it, um, and, and at any point you guys can, can get your communion, but I want you just to listen to these words. This is what Paul says to us, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, 
that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As we take communion, that's exactly what we're doing. We are proclaiming the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection. And through, through, through this time of communion, through the time of worship, as we continue uh, to praise God with song, I'm going to be in the back. The elders are going to be in the back. And if you need someone to pray with, if you need someone to talk with, if you need someone to just help you along this path, well, I, Travis, I, I know what I need to do, but, but I don't understand it. That's what I'm here for. That's what we're all here for. And if you're struggling with sin in your life and, and you come to me and you share it with me um, and you say, hey, I, I really, I, I, I need help in this area and I don't know how to help you in that specific area, guess what? I'm going to try to find help for you alongside of you to guide you and to direct you. That's what we've been called to do. To stand shoulder to shoulder. To speak God's word. If you have a decision to make, will you make it as we go to the Lord in prayer? Almighty Father, I am so thankful to be able to stand up here. I am honored to be able to be in your presence to deliver this word that you have called me to be one of your servants. Father, I know that it is you that speaks these words, that you are the one, your spirit is the one who can pierce a heart, who can change a life. And Father, if there is someone here who needs to accept you for the very first time, if there's someone here that, that needs to rededicate their life, if there's someone here who just needs prayer in their life, Lord, they will seek out the help that they need. If they're ready to become members of Stafford County Christian Church and say, hey, I want to be a family member, I want to serve right here, that they will seek that out that we can make that decision together as well. Father, as we partake of communion, we remember the awesome sacrifice of your son. And as we go through this, this prayer, Lord, I, I see the Trinity working so hard, all three as one. Father, as we continue to worship you through song and praise, Lord, that you will be the one glorified in it all. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.